Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And guess what? Today is another fantastic day for an interview. Guys, welcome to my show. And I have got NJ Lechner with me. NJ Lechner is a man who is who has made it his mission to help other empaths to to gain the skills and gain a better understanding of themselves so that they can live their most beautiful life that they possibly can. And sometimes we all have got our our hurdles, our, our hesitations and uh, our little voices there uh, who are telling us rubbish. So today we want to talk about empaths and I'm so really glad to have you on my show. NJ, welcome. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you for having me today. I really awesome. appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. And I think it is so important that we talk about it because so many of us are, are uh, in our own little niches and we don't necessarily realize who we are. We just realize that somehow things should be better, could be better. And it is, it's hard. So uh, if you could help me, please, what actually is an empath? How would you define that? Or what are the hallmarks of an empath? Right. So in my case, I think an empath to me would be really understanding someone else's situation in life, what they're going through, uh, being highly relatable to people that are like yourself or maybe even not like yourself. Mm. Uh, we all have different personalities. Mm. And for us to understand our own personalities as well as others, it's a, it's a really big challenge in life. Mm. And I felt that I have most of my life have wasted not trying my, my heart is to understand others in order to connect with them. And so I decided to change that late, much later in my life. And this is where I'm going with my teaching, coaching, hmm. and helping others um, with struggles that they go through because they're the struggles, the same struggles I've been through. And if I can just help at least one person hmm. and make that deep connection, that to me is all about empathy. Isn't it? How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Um, what was your journey? Where did you come to this point that you said, actually, I want to focus on that? Right. So my journey started a long time ago, just like everyone else's. Um, there's been struggles and challenges in my life. And if you want to talk about where my journey's kind of started in, in this later stage in my life with teaching and coaching mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and helping others uh, to achieve things that I have struggled with myself, it was right around the age of 48. Um, mm. So I'm 53 now, and it's been about six years since I started doing this new sort of um, journey in my life. Mm. Uh, but we all have different chapters and so uh, uh, that we go through. And, and um, if you want to talk about you know, different types of things that have happened in my life, mm. um, you know, we, we, I guess, we could talk about I guess sports and running. Or, oh, that's what, no, I guess everything is setting the scene. We are... Sure. The summary of uh, of right now the two men who are talking to each other are the summary of all the bad things and the good things that happened to us, of all the lessons we have learned. And there is not just one single lesson. Bang! And that was my catalyst. And that's when the lights went up. No, often enough, just as much as trauma has multiple layers, also healing has multiple layers. Transformation has multiple layers. So therefore, I'm interested. Um, what created the man who is sitting in front of me? Well, a lot of things. I mean, uh, if you want to go back with nature versus nurture uh -huh. um, theories in psychology, um, how we are raised um, and what our genetics tell us are two things in combination that we always have to, to take into consideration. Hmm. Uh, and in my case, my genetics you know, could be passed on from uh, generations of things, uh, how, how we think and uh, how I think and how I, how I um, mm. you know, um, things about me and my personality, uh, being an introvert, um, being highly analytical and, you know, uh, technical, mm. and then also going through struggles in life with um, growing up in an alcoholic family and um, being raised in that kind of environment. It has an effect on a person. So there's lots of different things that have gone on in my life who am I as a person? I think is just 
It's a very complicated question. We can, <laughs> we can try to talk about that and unravel it. <laughs> Maybe that was the wrong question to yeah. ask a very analytical person. <laughs> Good point, actually. <laughs> Memo to self, nope, a wrong start. No, no actually not wrong no, start. Not it actually, no, because it actually shows how you go about your life. There is not just an ad hoc bang. Here's the answer. But actually... That is the way you think and that is the way you feel. That is how how circumstances, and I love it to say your way you say nature versus nurture, this is how things have, uh, have come about. For example, many children who grow up in an environment that is not so clear cut and where there's trauma there, they become very controlling. They want to be in control of everything. And equally, there is this analytical kind of thing. They are very good in quickly assessing what's going on because they don't know if they get a slap or a kiss from mommy when she is drunk. So it's that kind of thing. So there's often we are set up to be a certain type of personality, but a very early start in our life. So I love how you brought that along. Um, so obviously, uh, you 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 started growing up. There were your challenges, trials, tribulations, and I know already from our preamble that you are a very keen runner. Um, I've met quite a few people who loved the running because it gave it gave them solitude. It gave them time to think. It also gave them time to run away. Um, yeah, true. With, <laughs> with hindsight, was that maybe something that happened to you? Is that why you got into your running sports? Yeah, I think it was a couple uh, different things. It was just kind of a double-edged sword. You know, um, I found solace in in running and exercise. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, in, in a way, it was getting away from the troubles mm -hmm. that I had in my household. Mm -hmm. And I needed something to boost my confidence because... Uh, I always struggled with lack of confidence, low self-esteem, self-worth. And that was partly because um, my father was someone who didn't like himself much either. And he struggled with anxiety and depression as well as alcoholism. And they all kind of played off each other. Mm. And when you don't like yourself very much and you suffer from lack of confidence and lack of self-esteem, You, you project it onto your children, whether you want to or not. And so that was the kind of the case in, with me is my father didn't know how to handle his own problems. So he just naturally projected them onto his children without really realizing it or intending to. And so I've had to struggle with that all my life. And, and it manifested itself in a number of ways, low grades in school, Uh, not being able to focus, having anxiety attacks and panic attacks when I was young yeah. and, and having to go to a psychologist yeah. uh, to get help, but they never really understood and really wasn't, they weren't able to treat very well yeah. back then. That was, that was a long time ago. It was in the 1970s and there were still um, a lot of things they needed to learn about how to treat uh, alcohol abuse, addiction, and families that were suffering from that sort of thing. So true, isn't it? And um, same, we are both the same age, give or take. And I, yeah, similar stories. And it is, it is, you try to make the, the best out of a situation. And we all learn survival mechanisms that for a time helped us really, really well. And maybe at other times, maybe not so well. I mean, the running away in your case, well, in my case, it was running away with the help of alcohol. Initially, actually running away with sport like you, I went into martial arts and went uh, went extreme there, um, long hours of training, etc. And it was an escapism with hindsight. Uh, it was me trying to take control back of my life. Um, so running was your, your, your way of finding yourself and a beautiful way it is. How did it continue your story? Sure. So after high school, I went to college and then got a degree in psychology and sociology. And my goal at that time was to learn as much as I could about alcohol and addiction and became a, an alcohol and drug abuse counselor. So after I graduated, I was licensed 
a licensed counselor. And I did that for five years. Uh, and I worked with very tough populations, as you can imagine, uh, mostly teenagers, but also adults. But because I was young, I felt more comfortable counseling teenagers yeah. and, and uh, maybe people my own age, but not comfortable counseling older folks because of just lack of life experience. And what I found through that is that I couldn't do it for very long. So I was only a counselor for five years and I got out of the profession altogether because I was, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, I found out through just doing it that I was not ready and I was taking my emotions home with me and it was transmitting and it was affecting how I lived. And so it, I decided to get out of that and completely switch my career. And I got into information technology and web design and web development. Right. So I, I explored a whole another side of myself that I found that I was really aligned for. So it was just the best of both worlds there. Oh, fantastic. And that's interesting, though. So here you were um, looking into what essentially happened in your family what essentially the experiences that you had and uh, but at the same token realizing that the transference was too big you actually took all of your or many of your problems home the problems of your patients of your clients shall I say and I must admit I fell into the same trouble I was a pain physician and there was a lot of suffering I've seen a lot of bad things and I was taking these things on far too close to my heart, as if there was really no no boundary. Um, so I had not learned to set boundaries in that case, and there was also no supervision in our in our uh, profession. There was not uh, a, a mandatory you have to sit on the on the patient's side and and hey, how are things going with you? Um, that was not in existence. It's changing a little bit now, but uh, it was not there. So it's interesting to hear you uh, you actually having the insight to get out and not letting you burn out. Or did you get a bit burned out? I get burned out very quickly. <laughs> so oh, yeah, okay. I, oh, I yeah. figure that rather than try to stick it out and yeah. make it work, I I tried. I really did try. Yeah. But it just was not working. And I gave myself five years and I thought, no, you know, I want to start a family. And I had actually planned to go back to school for, to get a master's degree right. in clinical psychology and go, and go on to get my PhD in psychology. Cause yeah. I, I really wanted to teach college and become a licensed psychologist, but it just, that five years just almost ruined me and I wow. couldn't take it anymore inside. And I could not detach from the emotions that I was feeling because I wasn't fully healed. I was only a, a man in my young 20s hmm. and I needed to do something else. And so that's what led me to uh, a completely different career. And, and therefore, one thing led to another and I got married, found the woman of my dreams, got married and had six beautiful children over the course of 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> you were a busy man. <laughs> yeah, okay. in a lot of ways. Uh, exactly, uh, in good ways. Uh, yeah. But then what happened? You Obviously, then, you, were in, you were web designing throughout the whole time? You were IT? Yes, IT the whole time, yep, wow. and I still am. And I love it. I love, I, they're just, it's a different area of IT now, but it's just something I love and I'll never, I'll never give it up. I'll do this yeah. until I retire. However, uh, you know, as you learn and grow through raising your own family, yeah. uh, you find out that there are certain triggers that you're not, in my case, I was not aware of that when your spouse um, does certain things and they have their own issues and problems and we're all human make mistakes and you raise children and you have stress and everything. And sometimes triggers come out in in ways that you don't expect. And that was certainly a case with me. And I will be the first to admit that I still struggle with anxiety and depression and mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts. And I certainly abused drugs and alcohol in my early years uh, during college, mm -hmm. high school and college, but I don't do that anymore. But there are still things that I need to deal with always. 
their triggers will come back and then they will set me off. And one thing I one thing I always have struggled with too is anger outbursts. And and there, with that comes a lot of tremendous guilt afterwards, especially when you take it out on people that you don't intend to. Sure. And it's not their fault, but it just happens. And that's something I'm going to have to live with. Um, but uh, going and getting help with counselors and mm. taking medications if you have to. There's no shame in that. That's what I want to really let people know, like myself, is there's no shame in taking medication if you really need it to help you along and with you know cognitive behavioral therapy or mm. different kinds of eclectic therapy or whatever it is that works for you um and in my case too it's running it's daily running and exercise mm. that, that lifts my mood and gets those endorphins running and all those great brain chemicals that that uh, really get you going mm. you know all of that works together but it's not it you have to find out what works for you yep. Oh, beautifully said, but it is it is a fact. It is you're sometimes you are lashing out. I if you were asked to ask me which of the the negative emotions were impacting me most or which would define me most for a long part of my life, it was anger and resentment, and then mm -hmm. probably shame and guilt followed with that more in it in uh, relation to my my the way i hit the alcohol and the way how i felt powerless over the alcohol over my addiction for a long period of time so four very powerful uh negative emotions that very much can establish themselves firmly in you and the end result is yes of course i'm hopeless yes of course i'm worthless Here, I can prove it to you. You know, I ask myself all the wrong questions for a very long time. So I'm an expert in that. What changed? What changed with you? What transformed you to see right. a different path? Right. So my different path, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, later in life at the age of 48, I kind of had like a cathartic moment. Um, first, but there was... A kind of a transition. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit further. Um, around the year 2000, um, that's one of my, my father, who was the alcoholic in the family, mm -hmm. um, he got sick. And from smoking for over 50 years, he developed emphysema and he eventually died of uh, COPD, cardio-obstructive pulmonary disease. And mm -hmm. And it was really hard on the family. He was, a, he was a fairly young man. He died at the age of 71 mm. in the year 2000. And I was in my early, 20, early 30s, excuse me. And it was when my second child was a toddler. Mm. And I had to say goodbye to my father. And there were some very tough conversations before I said goodbye to him. But he was alert and conscious up until pretty much right up until the end, until a couple days before he died. Um, but basically, he suffocated to death. So COPD is you, you basically just asphyxiate. You lose oxygen, and you can't get it back. And eventually, you just become unconscious, and then it's just a matter of time before your heart gives out. So I watched my father die right before my very eyes. But before he died, two, two days before he was before he died, we had the most beautiful conversation that I ever had with him in my life. We resolved so much pain from the past. And I let him know how much I loved him, which I could never tell him when I was young because I was afraid of him. And how many things that I had been through and just to not, not blame him or bring up the past so much, but just to let him know, if you're worried about anything, it's okay. I, I forgive everything that's happened and I hope you, you know, forgive me for my wrongdoings because, you know, I lashed out at him uh, a lot when in my teenage years, uh, just to, as a response to his behaviors and, and what he's, what he did, but I didn't hold any grudges and I, I wanted to let him know that before he passed on. And that was very cathartic. It was, a, it was a turning point for me. Um, now the next part is, that I, I'm going to talk about is how my mother died. So my mother was 15 years after my father and my mother was a, the, the protector. So she was not only enabled him when he was addicted and 
you know, in the throes of his alcoholism, but she learned to become a better mother and not enable him through counseling, training, things like that. Um, and she became a stronger woman for it. Um, having lived through all that, helping us out and, you know, basically, um, getting through all that garbage. But when she died, that was, that was really traumatic because I loved my mother very much and she had always been good to me and, and all of my siblings. And that was the cathartic moment of, I have to change something about myself. And in 2015, I wanted to embark in public speaking. And the, the point was to talk about my experiences as a child, the trauma, the verbal and physical abuse, the uh, having witnessed the alcoholism and the behaviors of alcoholism, the, the, the damaging things that had happened throughout my childhood and at least help whoever I could to, to get through what I got through and to be that, that person that if they listen to my talk, I get that deep connection with them and say, you're not alone. I know what you're going through and I want to hear your story. So I decided to become a public speaker and it was really, really painful, especially when I'm an introvert and never really did it. And I was always terrified of public speaking as, as most people are. Mm -hmm. But if you get experience, um, I decided to join Toastmasters and in my local area. And I trained myself to be a, a, a pretty good speaker. I, I, I guess I'm not going to say that I'm, a, I'm an exceptional or an excellent speaker, but I, from the reactions of my audience, I guess the message did get, it, I, I got the message across that um, really connected with them. It's beautiful. And that is what a growth that is. And again, you, you normally, when you're, when you're full of shame and guilt and, and anger, and, and it's hard with these emotions to actually even get clarity in your head because a good speaker is a good storyteller. He will try to craft a story that can be relatable for the audience and to bring that one or two or three key messages home. So, but for that, you need clarity in your head and, or you need to be uh, exceptionally natural in that ability. And for a long time, I don't think I, I had that clarity. Nowadays I have, and nowadays I can, I can give different speeches and different talks than I did in the past. In the past, there was a bravado, whilst now is real leadership ownership actually uh it's it's it my my messages come from a very different point than that and i'm no longer important when i talk it my message is important and i think that is beautiful so here i hear a similar transformation in you occurring uh in in the way that you became the wordsmith that you became the, the that you learned the craft of storytelling and how long did it take you when when i mean when you start out you're terrified and you're probably yeah. were, were sweating and then you your shirts clinging to your chest <laughs> everything every single symptom that you can think of uh, that a public speaker goes through yeah. in, in being terrified i went through i had the <laughs> shaky voice yeah. knocking the knees sweating <laughs> uh cold clammy hands yeah. uh getting and stuttering and yeah. everything everything that went along with it and i it was the most painful experience going through and getting to be a trained Hmm. Uh, at least a decent speaker to yeah. get the message out. It took several months. And oh. I made a goal for myself in the first year of Toastmasters hmm. to give 100 speeches. Wow. In and out of Toastmasters. Excellent. In, in public. Wow. <laughs> and I did okay. it. I, I got 100 speeches in. <laughs> okay. That's like the, the, in, in recovery, the 90 meetings in 90 days kind of a thing. Right. Uh, well, there you go. But it's also how you train in any kind of thing. If you want to learn a new language, right. you immerse yourself. If you want to be fitter, 
you jump in the pool. And not just once, but you actually keep going, keep going until yeah. it becomes natural. So yeah. you took small, measurable, sensible steps and actually laid them in, in one after the other until you basically had gone a hell of a long, long path. And now you were the new and improved version. Um, how did that how did that flow onto your family? Suddenly being a very different verbal well, thing. Was yeah, it wasn't thing? easy. It wasn't easy because all my kids are different ages. Uh, and they need their father, but I needed to devote time to becoming this new person in addition to trying to take care of my family, work uh, a job, and stay active and fit. Yeah. And so it's not easy juggling all those things, of course. And they didn't really know what to think of it at first. My wife was really leery about it. She was like, well, you know, is this really what you want to do? Is this um, going to satisfy you? Um, what is it you're after? She yeah. couldn't understand it, you know, like, and I kept on telling her, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I, it, it, yeah. After my mother died, I just felt this urge to like, this is something I was always struggling with in my whole life. And I could not just get up and give a speech. And it bothered me that I couldn't do this. And so that drove me to become a different person and get out of my shell and not be this introvert that always ran away from and avoided speaking because it showed up in my job too. I couldn't do presentations well at my job mm. and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't talk to people or communicate very well. And I was this very awkward person all my life. And I just wanted to change that. And boy, did I really change it. Mm. And they saw the difference in me after a few months. But it took time and you have to devote time to that. Mm. I was preparing for speeches and I was like talking into a mirror, into a, into a video camera <laughs> at home here. And They, she kind of resented it at first too, because she says, well, how long do you really need? Like, can you give me a time frame of how long this is going to take? I said, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take, but I just want to give it a try. And yeah. it actually lasted now five years. So mm. I, it's just become part of my life. But what you have been becoming was a far better communicator with that. You were actually able to now, or you are able to now on a very different level to bring across what really matters to you. And if you think back to any kind of relationship, what's the biggest thing? What's the biggest stumbling block that there can be? And it's the communication. So I yeah. hope that your wife by now says, actually, uh, I'm really pleased with what you have done there. Hopefully she, she, she is strong enough to admit that. Is she? She, has she, she is, but she has her good and bad days too. And um, <laughs> there, she's got a lot of responsibility, especially, you know, with raising children and three of my children are all grown now. So I mm. just have three, three more at home yeah. that are going through their school now and, and they won't be out of school for a while yet, but it, it interfered with daily life a lot. And when I was mm. doing this, and so there was a little resentment. You know, naturally there was a little resentment, but I was adamant about it. And I, it, when I set my my mind on something that I really need to do, I I kind of almost expected her to understand. But if she didn't, I still had to do it. I, it yeah. was just something I had to do. And there there is that level of resentment a little bit. Uh, but on the other hand, she did see the difference in me, and and I had to prove to her that it was uh, something that I needed to do for my job as well. And hmm. what the nice thing about it was it actually was it, that was, uh, excuse me, it, it caused me to ask for a promotion. It, it boosted my self-confidence. It worked. Nice. I got a promotion and a raise after two years of being in Toastmasters. So it actually paid off in more ways than one. So. Absolutely. Leadership is all about communication. There's no two ways around that. And if you accept that, and if you then add the, the key ingredients of humility and ownership into that game, suddenly that is a, such a different thing. And if you do the same thing in your life and, for example, in a relationship, then initially this will ruffle feathers. Because the way when I came back from, from rehab and started changing my life and started to actually communicate my 
emotions, my needs, my things in a different way, it became initially a problem. My wife said, don't psychologize me. And and it was that kind of a thing because we were completely at different levels. We tried to, oh my God. Right. So whilst I was in rehab, I grew dramatically. She was at home on the nails on the grindstone and, and there was nothing there. So we were a completely thing. Nowadays, it's very hard for us to fight. It's mm -hmm. virtually impossible for us to fight. Uh, because, and that is from a time compared with a time when nightly there would be the Third World War erupting in our living room or mm -hmm. kitchen. And it is just, we have learned to talk to each other and we have learned to recognize what our respective needs are. All that is communication. And that is what you have embarked on in a very conscious way. So I commend you, bloody hell. And that is something that, that so many young people uh, should do, could do. Um, because it would give them this confidence. It would give them the, the ability to no longer be petrified, to learn the little tricks, to convince your mind, no, this is not terrifying. This is actually exhilarating. This is actually beautiful. This is, let's look forward to that. Let's give that talk. Let's bounce off the wall. Let's actually make this, this, uh, this audience roar with laughter or with with uh, with good feelings, good vibes. How powerful right. is that? That's beautiful. So there you were, the, the public speaker, and you were you were already changing your life. You the promotion was coming. How did it continue? What what was the next step? The next step was to basically um, continue my journey. It wasn't um, a really big chapter. Um, start uh, of anything new. It was just continuing and becoming stronger. Mm. Um, it was still, it was, it was like the next level of Toastmasters and being a public speaker that what you already said was getting that comfort level built up. So getting in front of an audience, it, it takes preparation. Mm. So I needed to do something like create a platform. And that's exactly what I did. I built a website, created a whole bunch of things on that website as assets to augment mm -hmm. the speaking. So mm -hmm. learning courses, um, mm -hmm. published books, videos, things like that, learning supplements that I could do with uh, people and reach them in a variety of ways, not just speaking. Mm -hmm. Because you can only reach so many people just by going to local events. Mm. And mm. there's more than enough to do in my community. I, I can find speaking opportunities anytime I want because we I'm in a big enough area where I can just find clubs and nonprofits and addiction centers and medical centers to give talks on. And I can be part of events if I really want to, but then only goes so far. And so that led me to the platform on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the social media channels that go along with that. So I built a brand called Leapfrogging Success, and and it's really it's like a, it's it's public speaking and communication skills for people just like me, mm -hmm. introverted, technical, analytical, and mm -hmm. anxious people. Mm -hmm. So that was my niche that I was really trying to go after, mm -hmm. and so that was the next level of speaking. Beautiful. Analysis paralysis. Um, is that something that you fell foul to? I think so, yeah, to some extent, um, mm. mostly when I was younger. So, mm. again, the avoidance behavior mm. in not trying new things, not moving forward with things because of lack of confidence. I had a lot of analysis paralysis when I was younger. Mm. It's not so much anymore because I've, like you, I've grown in a lot of different ways now. Mm. And in my later life, uh, you know, people usually make incremental steps as they age. You know, you make uh, mm. decisions as a teenager and as, in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s. But my growth was stunted and I never mm. really latched on to anything solid until I was in my late 40s to early mm. 50s. And so I missed a lot of things because I just 
avoided them and I didn't want to do it. And, and I got cynical and uh, it didn't help anything at all. <laughs> and it came out in the behaviors of my family too. So they saw me get into these, de- you know, bouts of depression and anxiety and anger outbursts. And, you know, I, I will admit I, I fell and I've stumbled a lot and I still do just not as much anymore. <laughs> and it's so easy, isn't it? That is. It is. Uh, what triggers you into your old behaviors? What do you have found things that you let them slip, or if you if they happen, then you're virtually on a slippery slide down? Yeah, it's mostly just stress uh, related to raising a family and working mm. and trying to juggle everything at once. Mm. That's one side of it. It's also the relationship too with my wife and mm-hmm. children. They don't know sometimes if they say something or do something that will bring up a very deep trigger in my, inside me mm-hmm. that my father used to do. So my father, when he would be on his alcoholic binges, he would just degrade his children. He berate us, you know, and tell us that we were worthless and no good. And, and it was his way of taking out his frustrations on us because he didn't know how to deal with them properly. And so when I feel that it's the, it's the, the very core of myself feels that hurt and pain again, that deep down pain Mm -hmm. that I used to experience with my father. So when my wife, when she is having a bad day or I have said something and maybe lashed out at her, Mm -hmm. it's this back and forth, of someone who's hurt will lash back at the person who hurt them and it will go back and forth and back and forth and it could escalate into something monstrous before you even know it and we've had battles like that too uh, which we've had to learn from and they're ugly really ugly and you don't want to do that in front of your children but sometimes there's just no way around it i mean they just happen and then she's got triggers as well so we when we are hurt we tend to lash back and hurt in ways where the fighting is not fair anymore. It's, it's like all rules are out the window. And then, then it's like a free for all. It's like, there's no, there's no point in, <laughs> you're just basically slinging mud back and forth. Absolutely. And that is exactly, that's exactly where we ended up for many, many years. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And when you brought it back down to try to figure out what was the root cause, um, in, as at least what was initially said, it was hard to come down because there was something, uh, you could have asked what's for dinner. And my wife would yeah. have understood what do you mean? Am I your slave? Do I have to 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 do you the dinner? I'm sorry. I, I just it, it would have yeah, been what from there. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and you think, what the fuck? And it is. It's these kind of things. And that's what I meant with. Uh, you need to work so much on yourself to realize before you explode in someone's face. Do I get the facts right? Are my facts indeed right? Is what my brain is telling me to go on the ah? Is that actually appropriate? Was really what she said, really what I understood. And I need to do that again and then again and then again. And yes, I'm I'm so pleased to hear that from your voice because from your mouth because we all are guilty there. We all are when we don't look after each other, uh, after ourselves, shall I say, then it's so easy. And I'm hungry, right. angry, lonely, tired, and I come home. Uh, and then the very first thing is blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't matter actually what is being said. If it is said in a certain way, it triggers me. She could say, I really love you in a certain way and I'm ready to fight. And that's Mm -hmm. just, as you said, trigger deep down. It's just a way something happened in my, in my very early youth. So Mm -hmm. here you go. But that's the emotional intelligence that we are building up. The you analysis there, the analysis paralysis. We think of all, all kind of things that could go wrong. And oh, ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I need to say now. Better say it, don't say that. By the time you're finally coming up with an idea that you actually want to reply, that train has has left the station. Um, so right. that's analysis paralysis. Um, on the flip side is the the no filter. The 
no analysis, just shooting straight from the hip and then seeing seeing who is still left standing. So that's not good either. It's not, no, neither so, one. <laughs> no. So, so how did you learn to take that moment out? That moment where you actually think, she just said something. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to explode. So for me, literally, it feels like an out-of-body experience that I step right. out, look at these two, and then how did you learn that? Where did that come about? Well, well, it's it's not easy. Number one, <laughs> uh, number one is awareness. You have to be aware of what you are doing and how your triggers affect you. So it's it, a lot of it is getting to know your partner, and there's no other way around that except time. You have to get to know your partner by living with them every day mm. and going through all of the stuff, mm. good and bad. And there are going to be some battles and um, it's learning through those experiences over time because we're not, we're not special snowflakes. We are in this together with everyone else who has the same sort of issues. It just can get, it can get worse for couples that are dealing with traumas from the past that are maybe not as bad as for, for other people and other couples. Mm. So we don't know that. We don't know what other couples are going through. Some go through a much worse than us some mm. go through not as not as much as us we don't know unless we ask them specifically and then we still can't live with them but um it's just it's a process of getting to know your partner over time and we mm. were very naive as young people are and didn't know a lot of what we don't know yet so it's just <laughs> getting through and learning uh, very hard lessons mm. early on and then Uh, getting through those times. And I can now say with very good confidence that after 25 years of being married, we've learned a lot about each other. And we've had great conversations recently uh -huh. about what we've been through and how we how we don't think like we used to when we were young. We are not, you know, flying off the handle at every little thing anymore. We don't have unrealistic expectations like we used to have. We don't have this like fatalistic mentality used to have. We, we're much more realistic, down to earth, mm. um, roll with the punches now, forgive more, li live more and laugh more uh, than we ever used to because it was really, really tough. It, it, and there were times when we almost got divorced a number of times. You know, we had mentioned it like this, we're going to do it. We're going to get divorced. And then within a few days, it would pass over and we'd we'd find that connection again and we're like well maybe it's not so bad <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you never know i mean uh, if i had left you know my my kids i just didn't want to leave my kids i my mm. kids mean so much to me and i want to be there them for the excuse me i want to be there for them as their father whether um, i have triggers or not mm. because my father wasn't there for me Hmm. He just wasn't. He was drunk most of the time in, in my early childhood, and his behaviors were horrible. I could tell you some very nasty stories about things that he's done and how it affected all of us in my family. And I never wanted that for my kids. I, I know that I have problems. I know I'm always going to have problems. But if I deal with them and I'm aware of them and you know, understand the triggers and mm. then cut them off at the past before they actually happen. <laughs> Great. But it doesn't always work. Mm. But so for the most part, it works. <laughs> That's what we say nowadays. But yeah, it was a, whole, a, a long, hard slug to get there. And right. uh, if you had a chance to send a message back in time to your old you, what message would that be? Oh, that's a great question. What age do you want me <laughs> yeah. to go back to? <laughs> you can choose. You can choose. Five, Pick. seven. <laughs> I was an idiot for um, most of my time, so it's actually quite easy for me. <laughs> I I'll just, do a couple of. Yeah, I'll do a couple of them. So, if I could go back to my nine-year-old self, yeah, I would say it's going to be okay. Your dad's going through a lot of pain. He doesn't know how to deal with it. But don't take it personal. You're going to get through this. You'll be just fine. But just hang in there. You'll make it. Um, to my 25-year-old self, I would say, 
yeah, you've had a lot of breakups lately. Uh, you don't <laughs> know the first thing about good relationships yet. <laughs> and uh, the breakup you just had where you got dumped, it's not the end of the world. That woman wasn't worth wasn't worth the time for you anyway. She was bad news, and <laughs> you'll get over it <laughs> because you'll find someone that really, you know, is meant for you. And I and a few years later, I found that person. Beautiful, beautiful, very beautiful, very thought provoking, because there are certain things that I just realized. Um, with regards to the message that I, that I would send back. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Every, every time we talk about the true emotions, we realize something new about ourselves. We learn something new. It is the communication that's the opposite to addiction. It is, it is by us communicating. We go away after this interview and we, we, we are a changed man. And tiny little bit, but we are changed man. So now add that up to another interview or a really good talk with a friend tomorrow. And you think, huh, now again, I'm a little bit better, etc. So every day to do small measurable steps into the right direction. Now, whatever you guys are going through at the moment out there, let it be depression, let it be financial uncertainty, let it be anger, let it be the alcohol, drugs, sex abuse, porn addiction, eating disorder, whatever it is. Your body is trying to tell you things and you, 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 it's worthwhile listening. And if it's all very confusing, then rest assured, it was confusing with every single one of us. Um, it was very dark with single, every single one of us. So, but NJ here has, has got his act together in, in a kind of a way. I got my way, my, my, my shit together, kind of a way. Um, but we are just, ultimately, we, we are you. But we are just a little bit further down the path. And that is something that I want you to understand. There is hope. There was a long time I didn't think that there was hope in my life. There is so much. There is so much. And it's just... Take small steps, but do take the steps. Talk mm -hmm. to someone, find someone, find a tribe that you belong to and find something that makes you go, yeah, this was beautiful. Whatever that is, hopefully not three quarters of a cheesecake. That's, yeah, that, 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 that makes you feel beautiful for a very short period of time. Or the alcohol, yeah. the, the, the two glasses of wine and you go, Ah, now I can relax. Yeah, tomorrow your problems are still there and you have got a hangover or you have gained a kilogram. So whatever you look at it, so maybe there are different ways there. Mm -hmm. Oh, NJ. Yeah. Uh, well, exactly. So, NJ, let's, let's make this world a little bit better. And if people are indeed um, are gelling with what you say and like your style and et cetera, where can they find you? Tell us again your social media handle. Yeah, absolutely. It's leapfroggingsuccess.com. Yeah. And you can find me on YouTube by the same name and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think a couple other channels. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but those are the main ones. <laughs> Have a look down there into the description of the uh, of the youtube video and of the podcast i've put all of them down there and whilst you're down there press the subscribe button and whilst you're there you might as well make the, the little memo to self uh i need to tell my friends about that channel there's actually some damn good interviews there and uh, maybe there's some stuff that that we all can learn maybe make it a family listen to you know just take a podcast or, or a YouTube video and make it a family thing and to actually say, wow, these two nutjobs, they're talking about, about, you know, no longer fighting. Wow. Would that not be something for our family? Right. Indeed. If you don't bring those topics up, if you consider them taboo, if you put your head into the sand, guess what? It's very unlikely that things will change just by themselves. But right. if, if you bring it on the table and say, and maybe say it with some humility, 
making amends, whatever, if you were the perpetrator, if you were the alcoholic, like in my case, I was the alcoholic in my family, um, with my wife being on, on, on sort of the silver, the silver platform, I was gold. Um, so we were, yeah, we were the problem. So there was quite a lot of, a lot of soul searching happening over the last eight years, quite a lot of um, eating humble pie. And in actual fact, yeah, um, taking it on the chin, listening mm -hmm. to my family when they told me some very unpalatable truths about my behavior. Um, I hated it every second of it, and it makes me still cringe, but it needed to come out, and these words needed to be spoken. So there are these were the skeletons in my, my cupboard. Um, they got aired properly well. And maybe there are things that you guys can do right now to improve your life, and communication is probably a key part to it. Absolutely. And Jay, I'm so grateful that you came onto my show because we, we, we sort of talked about uh, a lot of communication and a lot of di the kind of difficult things, uh, especially for people who are introverts. And I was probably quite an introvert too in the past. And until I found alcohol, that made me then rather lippy and, and a big mouth. Uh, great. <laughs> Rest assured, <laughs> it got me the girls, fair call, and it. I didn't care if I played a song wrong on the guitar and uh, if I sung, sang a wrong note, who cared? So there were some advantages to that path, but please, there it became a lot of disadvantages too. So again, I want to say maybe, maybe communication, to learn communication rather than reliance on alcohol and, and other, other escapisms. Oh, God. Yes. I agree with you 100%. And Jay, thank you so much for coming on to my show. And you guys out there, please look after yourself. I believe in you guys. Stay strong. There is hope. I know it. I know it. You just need to find your tribe. You need to go out there and, and, and trust in the universe or in God that there is actually some path for you. Much as difficult to see it at the moment, but it is there. So look after yourself. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Stefan.